Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and as always, we'll go over the match day results from the Bundesliga this week. Starting on Friday night, we had a rather eventful game. That's right, four goals. Mainz, three, Cologne, one. Cologne taking the first goal of the game, but they couldn't hold on, losing 3-1. And that was the perfect way to get the weekend started into Saturday. Possibly one of the biggest surprises of the weekend, and that was Paderborn beating Fortuna Dusseldorf 2-0, their first win of the season. Then we've seen Hertha Berlin 2, Hoffenheim 3. Another surprise, Freiburg. Yes, we've talked about how good they've been this season, and they were good once again, beating RB Leipzig 2-1. Bayern Munich didn't exactly get it all their way, but they did win 2-1 against Union Berlin. Then we've seen Schalke versus Dortmund. Yes, the Riviera Derby. Unfortunately, no goals here. Nil-nil. Late kickoff game on Saturday was Bayern Leverkusen 2, Werner Bremen 2. Yes, I'm sure we'll talk about Peter Bosk once again. Always goals in his games. Into Sunday, and the game that started the day off was Wolfsburg nil Augsburg nil. Yes, Glasner still unbeaten, but uh, maybe not the result he would have wanted. The final game of the weekend, seeing Borussia Mönchengladbach 4, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Yes, Gladbach going to the top of the pile once again with that goal fest. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in and listening to us. As always, joining me um, for a change, I'm being sarcastic, is Chris Williams. The same character as always, Chris, but you've been around the whole of Europe, it seems, and now you're back with us once again. Yeah, I wondered where you were going to say I've been round then. I thought you were going to say round the bike sheds or something, Bryce. Um, yeah, I've been away last week. Always good to go away. I was in um, Genk, not Ghent, um, and then I went to um, Germany to the Revere Derby, um, the only nil-nil game of Saturday, but it was a good game, and I was there to speak to um, a couple of people at Schalke as well, um, which I'm sure we'll chat about in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic stuff, Chris. And I'm glad to hear that you went to the right location for that Champions League tie, unlike some other Liverpool fans we heard about this week. But joining uh, Chris and I it is the Football Grad Network uh, creator, Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been very well, Bryce. Thank you very much. Um, how have you been? 
Yeah, not too bad. Bit of the cold, but you know, it's that time of year, I suppose. Um, but yeah, all right. I got to watch a lot of sport because I lazed around on on the flat this weekend. So I'm quite happy. There was a lot of good games um, this weekend, wasn't there? And um, we we started off, didn't we, with that fantastic game on Friday night, and it it seemed to uh, continue. Manny, I believe you were uh, not just watching football, though. You were also partying hard. No, oh, it's Halloween, right? It's that season. But, uh, you know, well, no, that, that's it. it. What, what did you go with? It's a good transition, though, Bryce, because like uh, Halloween in, in in North America or in the UK, I believe, you know, that also is a good transition to um, two carnivals for Rhein and playing each other on Friday night, isn't it? Ah, yes, very much so. That's a that's a very good observation. And I, I think, um, guys, we, we need to focus um, a little bit on the football and you're with that trans. Uh, you know, transition and um, talk about this table. We've, we've mentioned in previous weeks just how close the table is, um, incredibly close. Uh, in fact, the uh, top 10, you know, there's only five points separating them, but then it, it seems to be um, separating the league as well because uh, from then on down, you've got 11th to 18th, um, a little bit closer. Well, if we took Paderborn out of there, maybe even though they won this weekend, they're they're still down there only with four points. But 17th to to 11th, you know, there's only four points in that as well. And Chris, um, that that probably asks the question now, as we've been focusing mostly on the top of the Bundesliga, uh, who would you say at this stage, um, nine games in, should really start to be getting um, concerned um, about you know the amount of points that they've picked up and may even be threatened by relegation as the season goes on. Ooh, there's a few. Um, I think Paderborn, uh, I'm, um, barring some miracle, I think they'll go down now. Nine games, four points, not a good start for them. But Augsburg are on seventh, and, and they're one of um, four um, four teams on seventh. And then we've got Mainz on ninth, Werder on, in, on, in twelfth on ten points, and Hertha in eleventh with eleven Um well, that's not really that far away from seven, Bryson. <laughs> Poor um, Hoffenheim, slap bang in the middle of the table, near enough in 10th. They've got 14 points, and they're just as close to the bottom as they are to the top. So that's how tight the league is. Um, but I would say Hoffenheim down, you would worry. But then look at Leipzig the last few games. They've lost a few, and he takes a couple of defeats. And, you know, that 10 points Werder have got could become 15, and Leipzig could be dropped down. And you, I don't think Leipzig will end there, but it's so close this season that two back-to-back victories will take you at the table. Two back-to-back defeats will drop you down to, you know, maybe 13th or 14th. So it's still too tight for me to call Bryce at the moment, apart from poor old Paderborn. Yeah, it's not looking very good for Paderborn, is it? Though, who knows, maybe they've turned a corner after that victory um, over Dusseldorf at the weekend, but I would imagine that that might be... um... A little bit surprising. Um, Manu, if we focus a little bit more on the uh, relegation battle that, that may be um, uh, coming on as, as the weeks go on and it becomes a bit clearer, uh, are there any teams, obviously it's early days, but are there any teams that with the way that they're playing, you're maybe slightly concerned that you know that, that this is going to be a long old season for them? Yeah, I would actually say Köln. Um, I think the, the, the game on... On Friday was a very important one for them against Mainz, and and it's carnival season, right? It's it's a celebratory season. It's a big season for them, um, at, as as at time of the year, and to not have picked up the three points um, 
in this game, I think they they're going to worry about, and I think what 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 they should be worried about really is the fact that in Simon Terode, uh, Anthony Modeste, and John Cordova, they have three strikers that lit up Bundesliga two last year, and although Terode scored. It wasn't really that convincing from them, that front three. And um, Achim Bayerlotze, towards the end of the game, um, had all three of them playing. And they almost stood in, in each other's way more than they actually helped um, with the scoring. So I think if I was Köln, um, I guess they're a newly promoted side. A lot of people had them do better than um, than they are doing currently, um, including myself. And I think that I think them looking at the table right now, it's a big worry. Whereas mines, of course, those three points were were very, very, very important. And um, you know, the other team, and uh, this is going to be very interesting because I'm going to be um, at that game, Köln against Düsseldorf on Sunday. And um, for both those teams, that's going to be important because Düsseldorf dropping all three points against Paderborn. You know, I'm with Chris. Paderborn is the likely side to go down, but for Düsseldorf, if you are a team that wants to stay in, that's the points that you need to get, right? So. That will put a huge emphasis on the um, Rhein derby between Köln and Düsseldorf. This is two cities. You know, we're going to talk about the Revere derby in a moment. You can take an S-Bahn from from Köln to Düsseldorf. Um, two cities that are almost a million people each, and you can take an S-Bahn there. So like a regional train that will take you there in about 25 to 30 minutes, right? So that's how close those two cities are. Um, they don't have very much love lost for each other. They both consider themselves very different cities, but it's um, it's going to be a very interesting fixture, a derby, and also a game where both teams need to pick up three massive points. Yeah, that's it. Um, what well, well, we seen uh, Cologne, didn't we, on a Friday night uh, lose to uh, Mainz? Uh, they did take the lead, but uh, they were they were very sloppy. I I think in uh, retaining possession, and they looked like a side at times that. Almost didn't have a um, you know a quality striker you know in their squad and and actually they've got three quality strikers um, very poor minds played very very well to be fair to them and Chris um, a final word just on the uh, on the end of the table um, is is there any sides down there that you you're you're quite surprised you know that they're you know in, in the mix of it yes it's early days but you know teams that really should be expecting to possibly be doing better than that. Uh, no is the um is the short answer uh, who we got down there Paderborn of course uh, rock bottom i always thought it would be difficult for them um, augsburg you know they've been on the cusp of relegation for a few seasons um Kern, even though they came up and they are a strong team i think we've all agreed traditionally they're you know i mean the top 25 teams in germany and and 18 to 25th puts them in a the second division union berlin i'm a little surprised about i thought they would have been a little better um, but they're in 15th. I suppose maybe Dusseldorf's the only surprise, but, you know, if they were to win, that would have, if they were to win this weekend, they, you know, they would have jumped up um, into 12th. So that wouldn't be a problem for them then. It, but yeah, I'd say from 13th down, you, you can take any pick of that, but it's so close, Bryce, as I said earlier, a, a couple of victories and they'll be out of that. And we've seen that traditionally, Last couple of seasons, a side grabs um, a couple of wins, and all of a sudden they've gone from fifteenth to eighth, um, and, and it can happen, and I'm sure it will happen again. Yeah, I would say there'll be uh, many different teams changing positions as the season goes on. Only nine games in, of course, but uh, as Manu pointed to, uh, that Dusseldorf 
versus Cologne game is going to be a massive one next weekend for that part of the table. So let's go to the other side of the table and talk a little bit about Bayern Munich. Uh, we, we've mentioned in previous weeks that it hasn't been a perfect season for them or anyone really um, run that end of the table. Um, everyone keeps uh, chopping and changing and at times even nobody wants to uh, you know take the, the lead in the Bundesliga. But this weekend uh, Bayern did take the lead. They went 2-0 up and then conceded a late um, goal against uh, Union Berlin, winning 2-1. Um, Manu, you said that um, you know this was um, a big day for Alfonso Davis as he uh, was getting his first ever Bundesliga start. How did the uh, young Canadian get on? Yeah, you know, Niko Kovac um, reacting to the injury crisis. Um, Niklas Süle, of course, out with an ACL. He will miss the rest of the season, possibly the Euros as well. And then, of course, Lucas Hernandez, he was out, he went out and down with uh, an ankle injury. He had to be operated last week um, after Bayern's 3 2 win against Olympiakos. And that means the, the bench is getting shorter and shorter for, for Niko Kovac. And Afonso Davies has played as a left back in the past for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, an experiment that I personally see very critical, but, and, you know, if you if your bench is getting shorter and David Alaba has had, had some injury problems as well this year, um, I think against an opponent like Union Berlin, that's a perfect opportunity because defending is not going to be the main task for your left back in a, in a game like that, right? So, you know, you, your left back is going to be pushing forward or is going to be asked to push forward and in this case play with Ivan Perisic and um, double on the left side to, to, to create those um, attacking spaces. Um, the the problem I had with him in the first half was that maybe we didn't quite see enough of that. Uh, you know, he's a, he's an attacking-minded player and I felt that he didn't push quite enough. Uh, second half, it was, of course, much better when he helped create uh, Robert Lewandowski's what is it now? 13 goals in nine games. Um, record, of course, for him because he's, you know, no player has scored uh, nine goals, uh, has scored in the nine first games of a Bundesliga season before. So he was was a big part in that. So I, I feel like overall it was the first half that was okay. The second half that was very good. Um, so hopefully more to see from Alfonso Davies um, in, the, in the coming weeks. But I mean, like, there's an interesting topic as well, right, Bryce? Robert Lewandowski, um, you know, where would Bayern be without him at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. There's um, a little bit of um, a reliance on him, isn't there, Chris uh, Lewandowski? I mean, it's it's undeniable just how good he is. And 13 goals, you know, after nine games, it really is uh, phenomenal. But um, Manu does put a, a good question across, um, doesn't he? That you know, with the, their inconsistencies at the moment, he he almost bails them out from time to time, doesn't he? With the amount of goals that he can score. Yeah, but that's his job. Um, I know Manu hasn't said this, and I know you haven't said it, but I'm not a big fan of, oh, if Bayern didn't have Lewandowski, they'd be mid-table. Well, well, they have got him. Um, you could take the best player out of any team, um, You know, even if they're not potentially a good attacking side, take the goalkeeper out, and they wouldn't be as good. Um, they are reliant on him, but he's reliable. So until until he either goes through a dry patch or, you know, God forbid he gets injured and he's out for a long time, they don't have a problem. He seems to just be able to keep playing and scoring and that's uh, that's what you need. Um, and if he does have to spend a bit of time out, it won't be Niko Kovac's fault because there's never been a ready replacement for him for a long time. Um, so Bayern are quite happy to 
walk that um, walk that thin line between success and maybe not as much success if with no Lewandowski. But he keeps scoring, and they keep leaning on him, and he's a good crutch, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player, and uh, I, I don't really know what else to to say on that. I, I think he's he's key to the Bayern side. But yeah, he would be missed if he wasn't there. But you know, so would maybe Neuer, so would some of the defenders, so would someone like Thiago if he wasn't there. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a sad day when he goes, and I think maybe that's what they should be looking towards now when he eventually leaves, because uh, there's been sides that have struggled to fill strikers when they go. Um, Dortmund's one of them. I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to them in a bit. Um, the team they're playing, Schalke, need a striker. It's a key area. And when Bayern replace him, they've got to do it right because you know he, he's just a goal machine and there aren't that many goal machine strikers about. So how do you plug a 31, 32, 33 goal striker a season? Uh, the simple answer is you don't. It's it's pretty hard to do. What I like so much about him right now is like the, his ability to to create goals out of nothing. Um, I mean, that, that goal that he scored against Union Berlin, which proved to be the winner, he basically ran through a defender to make that goal happen. And I think that very much highlights and how much how how he's physically at the very top of his game right now at the age of 31. Um, but Chris is, is quite right. What's going to happen when that drops off? And um, 31, I think, is probably the peak for, for any player. Um, you know, and... Once once you go beyond that peak, how long is it going to last? What's going to happen when that first injury hits, right? So that's, I think, something for Bayern that they do have to worry about down the road. So uh, it's an interesting one because, like, yeah, Chris is absolutely right. They, they're relying on him because that's that's his job. Um, he's, he's expected to score between anywhere 25 and 35 goals a year in the Bundesliga alone. And he's, I mean, he's very much a pace for that, so... Uh, fantastic! I think personally, I think he's he's fantastic at the moment. It's probably the best Robert Lewandowski that I've seen um, throughout his entire career. I suppose just to stick with uh, Lewandowski at, at the moment. I mean, it, it, it's hard to almost um, think about it. You know, when a player retires, or maybe in ten or twenty years' time, or or into the future. But um, do you think he'll he really will be seen as one of the great? Um, all-time uh, goal scorers and players for Bayern Munich. I mean, he is the fourth highest goal scorer um, the club have ever had. Do, how highly do you think he'll rank when it comes to talking about the greats that played for the clubs over the years? Or the club? Yeah, I think he's going to rate very highly. I think, I think though, to be rated amongst the very, very best at Bayern, you have to win the Champions League. You know, if a club that has a history of winning the Champions League and you look at the greatest players the club that has ever produced, all of them have gotten their hands on a Champions League trophy. And I think that's that's absolute key uh, for him. And whether the club is anywhere near a Champions League trophy, so hard to say with the way the competition works, right? With the, the knockout stage. And remember, was Tottenham Hotspurs were in the Champions League final not that long ago, uh, which is hard to believe now. So, But it's, it's totally possible. Um, but I think for him on a personal level, I think that's what he needs. Um, my concern is, of course, and this is this is something that we've been discussing now for quite some time. Um, with the way Bayern play, yes, they can rely on him scoring the goals, but they're so leaky in defense. Uh, they conceded two penalties in this game, right? And they were very fortunate that Manuel Neuer saved one of them and overall had an excellent game. You know, he kept Bayern in this game. 
just as Lewandowski scored the goals uh, on the one hand, Manuel Neuer kept him in the game on the other hand. Um, and yes, you know, you might say that's his job, but on the other hand, they also did play Union Berlin, um, a game where they, you know, when we started doing this podcast, they would win this game 7 0. And currently, they're not even anywhere near that. So that that is, I think, something that if you if you look at Lewandowski's numbers at the moment, you're like, yeah, they're fantastic. But they they he they always he's also the only player that's capable on the side to produce those kind of numbers. Yeah, truly incredible numbers indeed. Uh, but yeah, let, let's um, leave that alone. It'll be interesting to see him. Um, just how many goals uh, Lewandowski finishes the season with. Uh, he's definitely on track to do something special, isn't he, at the moment? But, uh, Chris, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, biggest or potentially one of the uh, two biggest um, shocks of the weekend, and that was when Freiburg faced RB Leipzig, beating them 2-1. Um, <laughs> quite a, a remarkable season, really, for Freiburg. I mean, the with that result, they move up to third. That's five wins out of nine with two draws and two losses, 17 points. I mean, wow. We mentioned a few weeks ago, didn't we, just about how good they are and how much of a likable club that they are. Uh, but we probably all thought, yeah, in a few weeks' time, you know, they'll come off the boil a little bit, you know, and it'll bring them back down to earth. That very much could still happen because we're only nine games in, but it's been an impressive nine games, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And I'm convinced. And if I'm wrong, I will hold my hat up and I hold my hand up and um, and eat my hat, maybe, if they finish in third or fourth come May. But what they are doing is ensuring that their second half of the season can be a relaxing, enjoyable one um, that may see them finish as high as we saw the other season, which was seventh. And that would be a wonderful achievement for them um, because the more points they pick up now, Obviously, the less they have to do to guarantee survival, which is I don't think is a problem for this Freiburg side. But um, the way they've started, they could be on for a top seven finish. But I would be surprised, Bryce, if it if it's anywhere else than seventh or just out of of seventh in eighth, maybe. Um, because look at the teams that are below them still, and Freiburg are there on their own merit, and I get that. But Dortmund haven't really hit top gear or anywhere near top gear. Leipzig are stuttering. Schalke are a striker away from being first. Um, Wolfsburg are, are playing well. Leverkusen, I would expect them at some point to maybe address some of the defensive issues they've got. Frankfurt and Hoffenheim are both big sides as well. And I would see Freiburg outside all of them. So if I was going to rank the teams on ability um, on paper, I would probably put Freiburg 10th. Um, and I will be, I'll be surprised if if they if they finish below that, but I will be surprised if they finish top four, Bryce. Um, but it's good for them, and I hope it lasts for them because this is the type of thing you need in a league. No matter what league it is, you need a team to be surprising and and to shake it up a bit. And we've got a few of those this season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right. I think you just have to look at the table, don't you, to, uh, to get an idea just of uh, how many uh, teams are involved in these kind of uh, shake-ups. But, uh, Manu, I mean, would you agree with uh, Chris in saying that, you know, the likes of third Champions League spot, yeah, might be a, a step too far for Freiburg, you know, because there's a lot of good teams in and around them. Um, but do you think uh, maybe a European spot, you know, outside of the Champions League, um is is a possibility, and how long do you think um, 
such a great run like this can continue on. Um, surely the bubble will, well, maybe not burst, but deflate at some stage. Yeah, I'm with, with Chris. I think that, you know, they're collecting points against relegation at the moment. And um, the more they have, I mean, they're on 17 now. I would say they're halfway there um, with a third of the season played, right? To, to basically ensure that they're going to play in the Bundesliga next year as well. And that's always the number one goal for them as a club is to, to stay in the Bundesliga. And there's not absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, it's it's also, as Chris says, it's great because it also shakes up the rest of the teams around them. They're getting points from teams that are supposed to be above them, right? Like the, the Leipzig result, um, which I think means the league is just that much more interesting. Um, maybe on a side note too, there was there was some confusion this this weekend on Freiburg Stadium situation and the the new stadium that they're building in an area of Freiburg that's very that's very residential and the the residents of that area um suit the club and the the court ruled that there would be no that the game there could be no games played after eight o'clock and uh, no games on Sundays, which would have of course make it very difficult for the club um to, to get a license for that stadium in the Bundesliga. Fortunately though it turns out um the court made a big mistake. Yeah those things happen and uh based their ruling on a on on old laws that were uh, changed in 2017. So um, first, a huge shock for Freiburg when it came to the new stadium project. Then the relief that the court actually got it wrong. They were overruled, I guess, by the court equivalent of VER. And then there's three points against Leipzig. I think for Freiburg, um, a weekend that could have started potentially very bad turned around very quickly. Yeah, that's that's great news, isn't it? Uh, that... <laughs> Would have been um, yeah a bit of an issue if you couldn't play games later. I can't imagine the Bundesliga would approve that, eh? Uh, but um, Manu, just before we um, we go away from uh, Freiburg, uh, there's Pokal games uh, this week. They'll be facing uh, Union Berlin. Uh, do you see them still putting out a, a very strong team at a side that would um, you know be as close as uh, the the toughest side that they could put out? Um, or do you see them kind of resting and thinking, well, you know, things are going well in the league. Let's, you know, give those players a rest and, you know, have them fighting fit as we want to keep this uh, momentum going. It's the Pokal Bryce. I mean, it's not the FA Cup. Uh, you know, Chris and I have been to many, 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 <laughs> many Pokal games. Um, you know, Chris can probably adjust a little bit more better than I than the, the how important the Pokal is in in comparison to the FA Cup, but the Pokal is huge in Germany. You know, it's a very, very important competition for all the clubs. You seldom see any sorts of rotation in those games. So, yes, Freiburg will try anything in their power to get as far as possible because they make a lot of money in those games as well. So, yeah, you can, you can bet they will put the strongest team out. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's... they will 100%. And um, and that's only because, Bryce, the Premier League has got so much money in it that if this was the Premier League, Freiburg could not afford to drop out of it because they would potentially go bust. So they would put a, a weaker side out to ensure survival. It, it's not like that in Germany. Um, the cup carries as much weight as the league for clubs like Freiburg um, and for, for other clubs with, with higher prestige as well. If you say, do you want to finish fourth and qualify for the Champions League and win the DFB Pokal? I think there's a few teams that will bite your hand off for that outside the traditional top two in inverted commas because that's what winning this cup means. And Manu and I have been to finals and the build-up's incredible the week before in the city, the local television the way it does it, the, even the trailers for the match, it's it's all based on a very, very strong history um, that all clubs and certainly all supporters buy into. Um, I would be shocked, Bryce, if um, they rotated, if any real club rotated. And I'm talking even the, the real lower tiers um, against like Saarbrücken, who are playing Kern, they'll put a strong side out, even though they'll probably get beat. They'll still put a strong side out because it's it's the Pokal. Yeah, it feels almost like um, a city hosting a Champions League final the week before in Berlin. If you've ever experienced it, it's, it's just the, the lead up to it is so fantastic, right? So every club in, in Germany wants to be part of that because it does feel a little bit like playing in a big European final. Yeah, and that's the way it should be eh? with the uh, with the domestic cups. They should be seen as um, just as important rather than just throwing out um, whoever you've got left in the squad that needs a run out. So, so that's good to hear. Uh, and we look forward to this midweek, yeah? some extra games for us. But um, Manu, let, let's talk very briefly um, about RB Leipzig. Uh, this is another loss for them uh, in all competitions. In the last six games, they've only managed one win. That was against Zenit uh, Petersburg So in, in the Champions League. Uh, things had started so well with uh, Julian Nagelsmann in charge, but uh, they, they certainly don't seem to be playing very well at the moment. They did. I mean, they dominated this game when you look at the stats, but you know, couldn't get the job done. And that's the story of the season, very much in a nutshell right there. Um, dominating most games, but couldn't get the job done. And I think that they maybe need to go back to the drawing board and figure out where things are going wrong for them when it comes in their attack because it's just not not working, which is surprising given the amount of talent that they have. And speaking of the Pokal, Bryce, they're playing Wolfsburg on Wednesday, and that will be a massive game for them in Wolfsburg, right? A team that is currently third in the standings has done very well. Um, <laughs> Oliver Glasner, of course, a coach who is also from the RB system, from the Red Bull system, I think that's going to be a cracker of a match and a game that both teams will probably want to win in the in the ninety, um, so they can focus on the on the th- on the on the Bundesliga games. But for Leipzig, this will this has to be the the moment where they turn around their season. Yeah, absolutely. They they need to change something and change it quick there if they uh, want to end up anywhere near where their hopes were at the start of the season. 
So we're gonna gonna move on, and uh, we'll be talking to uh, Chris heavily about this one, as he was over in Germany for the Riviera Derby. That's right, Schalke taking on Borussia Dortmund, uh, a game that's always uh, well. When the fixture list comes out, you're always looking, you know, up and down for the big games, and and this uh, is up there with the first or maybe the second fixtures that you're looking for. Um, plenty of history there, uh, but um, no goals on this occasion. Chris, um, so how about you tell us um, about the uh, the occasion, about the uh, the game day, and and your thoughts on it as well? Well, I've been to a few nil nil draws in my time, um, Bryce. Um, not in Germany, I hasten to add. Uh, that, that was only the second one I've ever seen. Um, but it wasn't like a nil nil draw. It was full of incident, loads of good discussion points. Um, it wasn't very drab. Um, so so that's good. I, I went to see. Uh, Freiburg against Frankfurt the start of the season before last and that was a nil-nil draw and that is Bryce 90 minutes of my life I'll never get back this it was the complete opposite I thought it was wonderful it should have been um, three or maybe even four nil to Schalke uh, because they just played so well but something we've discussed um, before um, they just don't have a striker who can score I mean we t- just talked about how critical um, Lewandowski is to Bayern and, and how much he um, is relied upon by them to score and that is the only thing um, that was missing from Schalke and that's to, not to take away from um, Guido Bergstaller because we all um, like him You know, we like um, Rabi Matondo as well who was playing as a more forward player but that's because of that lack of, of striking options um, You know, Mark Oot didn't get a sniff really um I, I, maybe he could have come on and that's not for me to say David Wagner got anything wrong because I didn't I thought the way Schalke played were fantastic but this derby Bryce was all about Schalke and that will really hurt people in Dortmund um because the last few years um, it's all been about Dortmund when they have lost it's because how have Dortmund lost because you know lowly Schalke have beaten them again and um, there's that massive regional trade-off. But I can tell you now, there's a feeling within um, Gelsenkirchen that the times are changing and that Schalke are, are getting back to being just as good as Dortmund as they always were and being as tight and as being as close to them. Um, it was a wonderful fixture. Um, I was lucky enough to speak to um, Jochen Schneider before the match on Friday and Alexander Jops, who are uh, part of the management team at Schalke, and they knew it was going to be special. I did ask about the striker situation um, and, and you know, they're very candid football bosses and they weren't going to give me, um, they weren't going to give me anything for my uh, fishing rod, unfortunately, Bryce. But I think they understood that I knew that they knew that they needed a striker and at some point they'll have to get one. Um, but don't let the score take away from how they played. Um, for me, Sane and um, John Joe Kenny were excellent. Um, and they weren't the only one as well. Um, I thought Kalajori was good. I thought um, Harit was good. Um, there was just so many good players for Schalke. Um, and unfortunately, Bryce, there was very little to say about Dortmund. I thought they were poor. Um, Sancho, who's been excellent, was terrible. Um, and not just because of him. I think you put that down to the way Schalke set up and the way they stopped Dortmund from playing into him. Um, I thought Witzel wasn't as good. Royce didn't have a particularly good game. Um, the only standout performance they had was Mats Hummels. And I think 
we got an insight into why he was brought in because had he not been there, I think Schalke could have won because Hummel saved them a few times. But at the end of the day, Bryce, Schalke couldn't score and, and that I think was the most disappointing side maybe for me, because I wanted to see a goal. But I can tell you now, when all those Schalke fans left the Veltins Arena and I got the tram back with them, because um, I had a plane to catch, they were very, very happy. And anyone that watched the match would see why they're happy. Because it's all about them changing this brand of football from a very dull brand of football under Tedesco. Um, Hub Stevens came in to steady the ship, but David Wagner's bringing a special type of football to them now. And that's exactly what the management were looking for. And it's exactly what they've got. Yeah, I must say, um, I watched the game uh, just, uh, unfortunately, uh, from uh, from home, but, uh, Chris. But it, it was very clear just how good Schalke were uh, and, and how poor Dortmund were. I mean, it, there was a class uh, definitely between the two sides. I don't think Dortmund really got going until the final 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and I think it was a tale of both sides uh, really missing a good striker on the field for them. Um, I, I can only imagine that um, the Schalke fans are very happy. You know that, that there's definitely a lot to, uh, of positives this season, and you know from that game, um, a game that you know, they definitely could have won. Uh, Chris, is is it just? Um, a striker that uh, Wagner's missing at Schalke, you know, for them to be, um, you know, really up challenging for for the title, uh, maybe this year or for years to come, or or do you think it's it's a few players um, that he's going to need? Because uh, I mean, the striker was the obvious one because unfortunately, the likes of uh, Matonda missed quite a few chances, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did, but I wouldn't say he had a particularly poor game. You, you've got to remember who he is, where he is, where he's come from. You know, he's only a 19-year-old. Um, he's a winger by trade, a right winger. And to be playing um, up front or just behind Bergstaller is a big ask. But he went and did it and he could have grabbed a couple of goals. And yeah, I do think that they're a striker away from being higher up the table. But also speaking um, to Jürgen Schneider, it's not about um, it's not about where they finish in the table, Bryce, this season. It was all about changing the brand of football from a very boring brand of football that we criticised heavily um, the season prior and and at times the season before that when they finished second. Um, it's the brand of football that they want to change in. And um, Jürgen Schneider told me if they qualify for Europe, so be it. But it's certainly not something they're looking at this season. But he also said a club of Schalke standing should be playing in Europe. But not this season, or obviously can't play Europe this season. But not the season next season, but the season after that, and and the one following that. So, twenty, where are we now? In nineteen twenty, they're not looking at um twenty twenty one. They're looking at twenty two, twenty three, twenty three, twenty four. That's when they want to be back in Europe. It's all about changing the style of football to this high press, high energy, quick transition brand of football, and that Jochen Schneider knows because he's you know he's worked in the Red Bull Empire. Um, he knows how the current football games played across the whole of Europe and that the most successful teams play this high energy game and they've brought in a coach who can do that. Um, and it's all about changing it, but it's all about how they play, Bryce. It's changing the style of football and that's happened at Schalke. So I know we're only nine games in, but if it keeps up, David Wagner's had a successful season and we're only a third away through it. 
Yeah, it's been a fantastic start, hasn't it? Uh, Manu, how important would you say, and not just to the Schalke fans, obviously, but how important do you say it is uh, for the Bundesliga to have a strong Schalke side um, you know, back in the midst, back, back competing as well, like in, obviously for titles, but you know whether that's uh, in Europe as as well or just pokals, you know, I mean, across the board. Oh, yeah, it's, it's very important. Um... This is a club with 150,000 members, Bryce. They're, they're a very, very big club. Um, they're one of the the biggest clubs in Europe. You know, and that's I'm not just saying this. Um, you know, I Chris and I both write for Forbes. We have a Forbes uh, club rich list, and they're on it, right? They're in the top 20, and um, that's that says quite a lot about who they are and what where they're supposed to be. And with the membership that they have, I mean, there was a lot of talk about whether this is one of the biggest games in European football. Look, there's both clubs together have over 300,000 members. Um, both clubs, you know, they second and third in amount of fans that they have in Germany. You know, they, the masses that they mobilize in, in Germany. And that means that they are both very big clubs and Schalke in particular, are a massive club that, you know, based on where they are, based on their history, Based on what they are, how many people they mobilize, they should be always in the top three, you know. But they're not, and uh, it's because it's it's also a very difficult club, a very emotionally run club. That unlike Dortmund, is still a hundred percent a membership club, which is also, of course, a big difference. And I, I feel like that's probably something that holds them back, but I can also really aid them propel, propel forward at times and. For me, they need to be in that top three or challenge for the top three on a consistent basis. And I think, um, and Chris, in, in that interview with Jochen Schneider, I think they, they bring that forward quite quite well. It's, it is something that takes time, right, to get that back and to, to stabilize the club. Um, in, well, it's probably the 50th time or 100th time that they're trying to do it. But it's, you know, if, if the right people are in charge, I think there is very much a possibility of doing just that. Uh, Chris, it's really interesting that you mentioned the the fact that they are like building their their style of football very much on Red Bull because like the, I talk to a lot of coaches and CEOs, like sporting directors, just like you do, right? And that seems to be what everyone is kind of gearing towards, um, playing that style of football. And when you look at the very top of the Bundesliga table, most of the clubs either have that philosophy or trying to go for that philosophy. And I mean, even Dortmund, you know, um, Jürgen Klopp was was the head coach um, of Dortmund, very much set the philosophy of that football. He was very much influenced by Rangnick, who, who set up the way Red Bull played their football. Um, I feel like while Schalke are very much on the path of that now, Dortmund are not. And still looking at that game in particular, that's pretty much bang on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I spoke to Mr. Schneider about that. Is you know, he's been very successful as, as head of the Red Bull soccer group and then as also working at Leipzig and is he trying to not copy it? And he was very quick to say that replication is a dangerous game because you can't replicate um something that's successful at another club. Um but you can try and put the process in so it does it fit? So he he made it very clear that um, the high-pressing, quick football, exciting brand of football, it doesn't just fit the Red Bull groups. It also fits other teams. And Schalke are one of those teams it fits. And 
if you if there's any Schalke fans listening, I, I left um, their head office thinking that there's some people in that club that really get what it's about because he said his words to me were it's a working class area. People demand a style of play, a way that the game is played. When they come out of work, uh, paraphrasing, when they came, when they come out of work um, and they've worked hard all week, they want to go and watch a style of football that is exciting and interesting and and it's a part of them and it's part of their passion and um and he knows that so he's not just trying to replicate it because oh this worked quite well at at red bull let's go and do it at schalke it's because that's how the region of football plays and that's how that region demands its football to be played so um yeah it's been it's been instigated in the right way not just to you know take up this plan and lay it down over another and is it going to work because i think we will see that will fail. And, and you can look at clubs around Europe who tried it and it's not particularly worked. It's got to fit that club ethos, and um, which is probably why um, the management board of Schalke wanted to get him in because they knew um, the way he thinks and the way he plays, the way he wants the game to be played and his vision for, for, the, for the club in the future aligned with theirs. And, and it seems to be a good fit. He described David Wagner as a perfect fit. Um, and I can see why he wanted to bring him in because... Yeah, they're just missing. Um, they're just missing that goal scorer. And luckily for Dortmund, they didn't have that goal scorer because had they had one, I think Lucien Favre could be out of a job now because the chances were, it literally three um, nil would have been the minimum start for that. It could have been four or even five. Um, and yeah, as you said, Dortmund were were the opposite. They they didn't look to have that drive and thrive. I know Derby games are very different and I don't like the word bottled it because I don't think you do bottle it in football, but I think you can get caught up in the moment. And the moment was the Schalke fans propelled their team on and and they played in a different gear and Dortmund were unable to match that. But it's just worrying for Dortmund because if you can't, if you can't be up for the biggest game of the season, which this is for them, um, especially for their supporters, uh, then how do you get up for you know a game against Paderborn for instance and and we've seen where Dortmund have, have let goals in at the end and, and leaked results maybe that's the only positive manner is that they didn't get beat on a day when they should have got beat yeah and they're playing Gladbach on Wednesday and for me looking back at this this Revere derby Chris the thing that's lacking the most is a striker you know they they, they, they it's almost like they brought in all these these people, um, Julian Brandt, Torgen Hazard, uh, who I still think are, are wonderful additions, but it's almost like they don't have an outlet, right? And Mario Götze was great in that position at times last year. He's been completely left aside by Faber. I mean, he played 57 minutes in this game, didn't look particularly good. It was a minor controversy that he left the stadium early. Um, just to clear that one up, he went to the hospital to get his hand x-rayed because they suspected that it might have might have been broken because someone stepped on it during the game but you know Paco Alcazar has been they signed him and his goal scoring rate has been fantastic but he's injured all the time you know he was injured most of most of last year when he came on he was a bit part-time striker it just worked so well that when he did come on he was right away clicked right but it's the same story this year he's hardly playing and for me it's almost criminal and I'm using this word almost criminal that Alexander Isaac, who they had, who shot the lights out in the Netherlands last year and is now in Spain and shooting the lights out there, they just let go. And, and thankfully for the club, they have a buyback option on him. But 
I find a criminal that he is not at the club right now because they need a player like Alexander Isak, a number nine, who can score goals. Yeah, it's true. And um, if you just look at their bench, um, there's no real attacking option on it. Out and out attackers. If you look at who they had to bring on, who could they throw on um, to try and get a goal? And we're on about Schalke need a striker. Um, they had they had two strikers on the bench. Okay, not they're not scoring, but at least they've got the option to try and shake it up a bit. Dortmund don't even have that. You're you're asking. Um, maybe to bring Brandt on and push Royce further forward, which he doesn't like to do. Maybe if if Gotza needs to come off, in essence, you're playing with five or six attacking midfielders in a situation where they can only ever really play three at once um, because they have to have defensive midfield options in Delaney and Witzel. You can't play... Um, you can't play five mid five attacking midfielders because they will get beat. Then you know they're not by Leverkusen. They do they do think about defending. Um, and unfortunately, what the problem for me, Manu, this week is is this weekend in particular is you, you couldn't say, oh well, if they had if they had someone like Isaac to come off the bench, maybe he could have scored because the build up play and getting to there wasn't even good. It it was. Yeah, it was disjointed. Um, my train ride home was an experience. Um, and there was a few unhappy people on that train. It's also interesting, maybe making me, sorry, Bryce, I might, might destroy your transition here, but Torgan Hassett was picked out from Gladbach, right? And we all said, okay, this is such a great missing piece for them. And he was going to help their transition game. I, I think in, in theory, on a paper, he, he was absolutely the right signing for them. But then Gladbach took that money and they went out and bought Braille and Bolo and Marcus Turam. They, under Marco Rose, you know, they're league leaders. They're playing Dortmund on Wednesday um, in the Cup, which is a massive game. None of these strikers are, you know, in the very, very top category of strike goal scoring in the goal scoring list. But Alisson player has four. Marcus Turam has four. Braille and Bolo has three. Um, Stindl is, came back from injury. There's another striker right there. And um, he played a big part in their victory today. You know, they, they almost they almost seem to have that attacking depth that you need for a top side. And I think if you if you want to be first in the league, which they are, that's what you need. Yeah, Chris. Um, I, I was just going to say, do, do you think that then uh, both of these sides, uh, it's going to come down to how good a season they can potentially have, or filling their full potential will be down to whoever in January actually purchases a striker. Do you, do you think that's going to be their plans when the transfer window does open again? I think Schalke need a striker, but um, Jochen Schneider was... Um, obviously, obviously, he's not going to tell me, yep, we need a striker and we're going to go out and buy one because all that does is tell anybody else on the market that Schalke are desperate for a striker, so add a few million on. Um, he was quite happy to tell me that Guido Bergstahl is a brilliant um, finisher Mark Oot is a great finisher. Um, you know they've got um, Ahmed Kutchu, who's a good player who can finish. They've got some other finishes in the team. Um, Sadar Harit Sane comes up with the goals every now and again. Um, Kalajuri can score. Uh, they, you know Nastasic can score as well, even though he's a centre back. It, it's just about being in that area where Lewandowski is, where everything turns into goals. And um, the management team at Schalke. 
seem to think that they have the players who, when they come into form, they will start getting goals and it will all click into place. Um, I think the truth is probably somewhere in between the two, Bryce. But for Dortmund, I mean, if they go out and purchase someone, they've just got such a good squad on paper that if I'm a decent player, am I going to go there? Because they're not playing too well at the moment. And am I going to be guaranteed a game week in, week out? Because look at who's not playing um, forward times they've got. They've got Julian Brandt there, who's constantly a substitute. Jakob Larsen, who was very good last season, is a substitute. Thorgan Hazard, who was excellent last season, is a substitute. Jaden Sancho is pretty much first name on the list every time it comes out, unless he's injured or suspended. Um, and then... You know, Marco Royce, he's the captain, so he's going to start. So there's two of your four attacking options already gone. And then you've got another five people vowing for two other places. And then you want me to come and sign for them because I can score a few goals as well. I think they've got they've got too many riches um, in the one pot, but they're not playing well together. I, I think if they were to go out and get... And Alcacer's got to come back as well. I think if they go out and buy a striker, Bryce, it's a panic buy for Dortmund. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of time before January approaches to see what the situation is before any panic buys. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, Sunday games. And yes, as Manu uh, had suggested, the transition could be now going from uh, Thorgan Hazard uh, to his old side, um, where we're going to talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's right, Marco Rosa has managed to take them to the top of the table. That's right, 19 points after nine games with six wins. Uh, last game of the weekend, seeing them beat Eintracht Frankfurt 4-2. Um, Manu, it, it's been a very impressive um, season so far uh, for Borussia Mönchengladbach and they're um, hitting expectations that uh, nobody really had for them. Yeah, no, I, I think when, you know, when they lost Torgan Hazard, I, I, we all expected it would be difficult for them. And um, although maybe when you look back and see that they'd signed Marco Rose, who um, Chris saw Salzburg live this year in Liverpool and what a wonderful team um, they are. Um, that was basically his work, right? Uh, Jesse March, of course, doing a fantastic job in, in Salzburg to continue that work. But Marco Rosa very much laid the foundation for that. And he's quickly putting that work or his experience um, to the test in the Bundesliga. And it's working out quite well. I, I watched the game today against Frankfurt and of all the Bundesliga games this this weekend, that was it was the best one. Um, it was two coaches. I mean, we I've praised Adi Hütter many times, who also comes from that Red Bull school of thought. Uh, there's a lot of Red Bull school of thoughts going on in this podcast, but that's because that's that's the predominant style of football. And I feel those two clubs really uh, encapsulated what that style is all about. It's aggressive, it's fast, it's closing down, playing hard football. Um, playing quick football, being quick on your feet. And the result was of just an amazing match in which Gladbach had the better end um, because this could have also ended 3-3, 4-4, 5-4, you name it. There was that many chances in it. It was just a, a breathless 90 minutes of football and even more impressive given that they came on the back of, for both teams, playing very difficult European fixtures, Gladbach against Roma, of course, and Frankfurt against Standard Liège. And uh, for Gladbach to, to come bounce back that quickly and to take those three points in a very difficult match, you know, in a 4-2 win, 
uh, on a Sunday night, knowing how the other results have gone, the fact that they needed to win this game to go back top on the table. I think I think we're now deep enough in the in the season with nine games gone that we can sit down and say because Chris, I think your magic number is ten, right? Um, we can sit down and say like, okay, well they could be there or thereabouts maybe for the rest of the season. Yeah, ten is the marker for me, um, and evidently they're going to be up there. Um, I would assume next week when when the Bundesliga comes back after the Pokal midweeks, I, if they're there, then I think that's a good indication that they might have the staying power. I know it can all go wrong for teams after the winter break or you know, just before it, but I think we're seeing with the way they're playing under Marco Rosa, and you know, you just identified all the reasons why he's a good coach and why. Um, they're playing such good football. I think Gladbach will be um, genuine top four contenders, but who do they displace? Because um, it's been Bayern, Leipzig, Dortmund, and one of another, either Hoffenheim or Bayer Leverkusen. And both of those two sides look a little bit out of the running, really, um, especially with the way they're playing football. So Borussia Mönchengladbach must be... um, even looking at them themselves now, at the quality of the rest of the league and how they're very much the team to beat at the moment, that the Champions League could be going back to a side that's got real good European Cup and Champions League pedigree. Yeah, and remember too, they were in the Champions League running last year until match day 34. And I was at that game between Dortmund and Gladbach and it was probably one of the weirdest games um, that I've ever been to because... Dortmund had to win that game, and it did, to have a chance to win the title. But about they were up 3-0, and about 67 minutes in, they had basically found out that um, Bayern had smashed Frankfurt, right? So neither set of fans were really celebrating in that game because Gladbach knew, okay, the result means we're not in Champions League, and Dortmund knew they didn't win the title. But that's how close it was for Gladbach last year. Uh, so they are a side that under Marco Rose with the, the changes that they've made, could very well push into that top four. And Chris, uh, how do you feel about Eintracht Frankfurt uh, this season? Uh, obviously, they had a tough uh, European game uh, midweek, but um, sitting in your ninth, it doesn't sound all that great, but when you look at the table and 14 points, you know that means that they're you know right up in the mix still. So you know, the, the things seem to be okay there, even though they, they lost some big names in the summer. You know, they, they seem to be doing just all right as well. Yeah, and they did lose some big names in the summer. Um, and for the squad that were there last season, sometimes you do as well as they did, and they did very well getting to that um, Europa League semi-final. They were better than Chelsea overall, and they should have really gone through to the final, and Arsenal were dreadful on that night. Um, and so theoretically, Frankfurt could have won the Europa League. And I think sometimes when you get a squad of players who get that close to winning something and then don't win it... Um, through pure bad luck it can affect them mentally and and, and sometimes I see that in Frankfurt um, that maybe they're a little fragile but they've got a great coach and they have lost some some tremendous players but they seem to be able to recruit them uh, replacements well enough um, for me shall uh, for me sorry Eintracht Frankfurt uh, are somewhere between ninth and fifth as a team at the moment and that's where they're sitting Bryce so um, no complaints from me about how the way they're playing. Yeah, and I might want to add Actually. that they were very good tonight in that game too. I mean, the 4-2, uh, as I said, could have also gone a different way. 
Well, Leonard, uh, Eintracht uh, Frankfurt will be playing uh, Bayern Munich uh, next week. Um, how do you feel they're going to get on uh, against the champions? It's going to be an interesting game, so I'm going to be at that game. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, the Commerzbank Arena is one of my favorite stadiums to visit. And having been there on many European nights, I, I suspect that Bayern will will experience some fireworks in this game. It's going to be loud. It's going to be, you know, the fans are going to do their utmost to, to help um, help their side win this game against Bayern. And I'm very much looking forward to this game. And I think the way Bayern have been playing, Bayern are beatable, Bryce. Uh, they are a side that leaks goals. Um, you know, going into the Union Berlin game, they had five games in a row where they conceded two goals. Um, against teams like Hoffenheim, Augsburg, Olympiakos, Tottenham. Um, they are a team that, you know, leaks goals and I think Frankfurt can score them. So this is going to be a great match. Uh, I think it, much of it will, of course, depend depend also on the midweek results. Frankfurt on Wednesday against St. Pauli. Um, that's, that's going to be a really tough game for them. And then, of course, Bayern play Bochum on Tuesday in the Pokal. Uh, so I, I will be interesting to see how those midweek games will affect the, the fixtures on next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that they they may play a part in it all as well. But as um, as we mentioned, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt will be playing Bayern Munich next weekend, which is uh, going to be extremely interesting. But not the only one. You're going to have uh, Bayern Leverkusen will be taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. That's uh, a rather exciting one. And Borussia Dortmund will be playing Wolfsburg, who are yet to be beaten in any competition so far, so it, it could be um, it could be very interesting indeed, um, especially with that table being as tight as it is. That more or less uh, does it from us uh, this week. Uh, Manu, what have you got coming up uh, that you'd like to potentially uh, draw people's eyes to? Obviously, you've got a bit of travel. Yeah, so I'm, I'm leaving next Friday. Um, I will be in, in Frankfurt and then I will be at the uh, Rhein Derby um, Tuesday in Dortmund, Wednesday back in Munich for the Champions League game and then uh, haven't 100% decided yet whether I will head back up north to see Gladbach against Roma um, and then on Saturday the, the Bayern game against Dortmund hopefully uh, pending accreditation uh, although I'm, I'm hopeful that will work out so a busy, 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 busy week um, coming up um, but Bryce Maybe we should also mention that that's the first Berlin derby next weekend as well. Ah, uh, yes, of course. How did that one um, slip through? <laughs> and it's more significant because it's it's in line with the thirtieth um, anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it's a great time to have that derby. I really wish that I was able to go to Berlin next week. It's a beautiful city. Um, Man and I, and we've all spent a bit of time there together, but it's one of my favourite cities and uh, what a time to be there um, next weekend for the first um, derby and and a special time. It's going to be great. I I will be watching that match. No wonder it's got a top billing Saturday night. Yeah, that's it. The late kickoff came on Saturday night. That's definitely one to put in the diary. And if you're listening and you haven't been to Berlin and you're interested in German football, Book those flights. Get over there. Wonderful city and a wonderful ground. The uh, the Union um, home ground as well. Uh, Chris, uh, what have you got coming on this week? I, I imagine it's got to be less travel than last week. Yes, thankfully a little bit less travel um, than last week. But 
probably more busy price because I don't have the excuse of traveling. Um, I'll, I'll have some stuff coming out for Forbes. Um, I've got ICC stuff coming up, domestic recaps, Premier League recaps. I know man who's got a uh, got a Bundesliga recap for them as well. And um, yeah, it's just busy, busy, busy. Well, guys, if you need any more football, even though you've got Pokal midweek and then many games, um, exciting games coming up uh, next weekend, the Bundesliga, you can head over to at Football Grad Live, uh, the Twitter page, where there'll be so many uh, different uh, articles on there to, to, to fill your boots. Um, and until then, yeah, just enjoy all the games and enjoy uh, the, all those fantastic fixtures we just uh, mentioned uh, next week and we'll be back in your ears uh, in a flash, really. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And that does it for this week of Leaders In. <laughs>the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.